Welcome to our podcast, Are You There Universe, hosted by me, Jamie Wu, and Sunny Yu, two high-achieving Asian-American women recovering from burnout. Join us as we embark on a journey to reclaim ourselves and inner power, unpack and explore the transformative nature of social change and justice at the level of the spirit, and heal our past traumas by exploring our present. Because when you heal yourself, you heal the world. When you evolve, the world evolves with you. In part one of our last episode, we talked about the law of abundance, the law of attraction, and the magic of synchrodestiny. But in that conversation, we actually also ventured into other personal topics related to our own feelings, relationships, and cultural histories. So rather than creating an hour-long episode, we chose to carve out that specific part of our conversation in this additional episode because we thought it might resonate with you and your experiences and feelings as well. So Sunny, in part one, we talked about how the power of the law of attraction really requires us to accept that we are worthy of the things that we want. We are worthy of love. It requires that you take your feelings seriously. And this goes back to being Asian American, an Asian immigrant, having grown under grandparents and parents who've lived through national forms of trauma and scarcity, feelings were not considered important. Mm -hmm. Why would it matter what you felt? You have a house, (laughs) you know, uh, you need a job. You need to figure out those things first. When I was younger, to your point about feelings Mm -hmm. feelings didn't really matter in our household yeah I'm a very sensitive person very emotional person but my mother is the exact opposite right and Mm -hmm. she didn't really say I love you when I was growing up because telling your feelings or showing your love through words isn't very common in Chinese culture and instead it was doing whatever it took to take care of your family I'm sure that's very much reflective of her childhood. You know, mm-hmm. She grew up in communist China. Her mm-hmm. sister was sent to the countryside. She's like, I have these dreams to be, you know, a pilot. She wanted to be this like Air Force pilot, wow. but I needed to become a doctor because it was the most logical thing. And like mm-hmm. my, you know, my dad said that I needed to just like do this for the family. And so she's like, I put my feelings aside and I just did the thing that I needed to do. Right. And then I, here I am growing up in a completely different American society Mm -hmm. where people have the opportunities to pursue their own individual goals and passions. Yeah. The option to change your mind is very open. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot more creativity, a lot more nuance to Mm -hmm. everyday life rather than black and white, yes or no. Mm -hmm. You know, that clash between me and my mother, that generational and cultural divide made it very difficult for me to process feelings as a young child, right? And a lot of my understanding of what love was and what acceptance was and respect Mm -hmm. came from the approval of, of my mother. Yeah. When I got the approval of my mother, okay, I got her love. When I got the yeah. approval of my mother, okay, I'm valued. And I, I am of value. And the approval is very 
quantitative, right? It's like, did I do well on this test? Did I get into this school? Mm-hmm. It was quantitative and not feelings driven. It wasn't nourishing, so to speak. Yeah, well, it feels it feels empty. Yeah. So now being on my own and I'm having to develop that understanding and knowledge on my own. For me, the outlet was journaling. It was like having a conversation with myself to kind of process feelings and and determine how the law of attraction can serve me in terms of putting out what I want for myself in the world and just putting that energy out. It's just like you were saying in that first episode, like we have to ask the questions, just asking mm-hmm. them into the universe and t- saying what we want or putting that energy out is revolutionary in itself. You know, listening to your story, you have to, at a certain point, you have to decide that you want something different from your mom. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. it also means accepting that you're living in a world of opportunities that your mother never had and deciding yeah. not to feel guilty about that. Right. Your story really resonates with me in the sense that only in those spaces where you're self-reflecting can you explore what feelings are. And mm-hmm. for me, the biggest learning curve with getting around to understanding law of attraction, using it in my life was actually recognizing that I didn't know what certain feelings were because I never experienced Mm. them. Mm. Like you, I grew up learning to seek other people's approval and that being a sense of like, okay, I'm loved, I'm valued by these Mm -hmm. other people. But I realized that actually I had no idea what love was. Mm. It was like this thing where my parents, you know, because of their traumas and the transgenerational trauma in my family, it was kind of like, of course we love you. We don't have to express it. We don't have to like tell you, Mm -hmm. or, you know, we're doing, we're doing the things, but here's what is so crazy to me about love. You know, when I was younger, I would have these crushes on people and be like, but is this love? Like, why can't anyone just tell me what love is? You know, mm-hmm. Like, how will I know that I love somebody? Mm-hmm. How will I know this? I mean, I love my family. Of course, I love my family and all that. But mm-hmm. I actually had no idea what that was. And because no feeling was satisfied, like in the sense of like, oh, yeah, this is what love feels like. Of course, this is love. Mm-hmm. But actually, because all my experiences of love have been conditional, on other people's approval. It was only when I was able to be in a space where I didn't need other people's approval or want other people's approval that I was actually able to experience, like I arrived at an experience that I was like, this is love. Like When you were with yourself. Yes. It's like when they say when you're single, it's mm-hmm. like when you learn to love yourself and the whole, like, if you can't love yourself, who Mm -hmm. who can love you, right? Mm -hmm. Part of, I think, that form of Mm self-love is giving to yourself what you've been giving to other people for so long. Mm. As Asian American women, we've been giving all along. We have been taught to be compassionate. We have been taught to overgive and self-sacrifice. It's like when you are giving from a place where you're honoring yourself in that moment, then it also serves you. And then you can be able to give from a place of 
having that abundance already. Yeah, giving from a place of abundance mm-hmm. as opposed to a place of scarcity that you have something to lose or that or it's proof. like trans or yeah, or it's like purely transactional. Oh my gosh, your comment about transaction just really hit a chord with me because that's how I learned to relate to people. Oh my God. hundred percent. Me too. Yeah. That is a serious unlearning that has taken a while. Yeah. For me to do. My parents, they'll have people over for dinner when mm-hmm. I was younger and we won't like engage with them until they invite us over to their house for dinner. And then it goes, mm-hmm. it's like, it was just purely like one for one tit for tat without recognizing that people give love in different ways, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's like dropping off food or, mm-hmm. you know, talking on the phone or which is giving time, giving mm-hmm. resources, et cetera. And so mm-hmm. I grew up approaching friendships very, very similarly mm-hmm. to my detriment. Same, same. Well, you mentioned in one episode that you moved around a lot, right? Mm-hmm. And like our parents being immigrants and entering a totally different community where you don't really have many connections, Mm -hmm. being transactional is how you survive. Yeah, Yeah. it's how you survive. And you don't have the leverage of time to be like, okay, it's okay that they're not giving back because I'm here and they're here and I know we'll always be here. And I know through time, there, there will be a moment right. where I'll need their help. I think also there is a level of wariness and a lack mm-hmm. of trust, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. More than anything. I had issues with friends not trusting that they were my real friends. Mm-hmm. I remember my first relationship, I was just so stunned that this person wanted to be with me mm-hmm. um, in the first place. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not, I don't have anything to offer you. Mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> like, I didn't have anything mm-hmm. to give. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I was like, why are you, you know, and I was wary of it. I was very mm-hmm. like, mistrustful and like, thought like, okay, he has some other plan in mind. Cause I had grown up in this kind of transaction. Yeah. You're suspicious. So, yeah. That's the word suspicious. Yeah. The paranoia that you're talking about, like, oh, yeah. this person definitely wants something from me that I yes, just can't exactly. see. Exactly. This person wants something from me. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Oh my gosh you're really getting at what I was talking about earlier about never having felt love Mm. right from an abundant place and being, and Mm. just being trusting or being able to even accept the idea that love is abundant, right? That Mm -hmm. of course anybody would want to be with me for just being with me. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Or like how crazy though, that idea for me. Mm-hmm. because things have been so conditional. And that's why the law of attraction took me a long time to come back around to it. Because in my world, you had to earn everything. Mm-hmm. There was always a price to pay mm-hmm. for something that you gained. Yeah. It's this idea, like, if you get something easier for free, like, what's the catch? Yeah. Right? And I can understand that. Because my family, my mother had to struggle a lot during the Cultural Revolution. Mm-hmm. And so it makes sense that these transactions were their way of ensuring survival, their way of ensuring that they were going to be taken care of. They didn't grow up in a place or in a time where it felt like abundance existed. Mm. You know, this conversation about transactions is reminding me of this session I did with a life coach. I don't know, it was like five years ago. 
And we talked about my frustrations with some of my friendships, a feeling like they were one-sided. And this is something that I I have felt for a long time, many of my friendships, that I'm always the one to check in. I'm always the one to reach out. I'm always the one to call first, or I'm always the one to ask to plan things and do things together. Or I will remember birthdays and people won't remember mine. Or just, you know, feeling like I'm putting more into the relationship than I'm getting. Mm -hmm. And we talked about how people give and receive love. And Mm -hmm. I know this very much falls along the lines of like the love languages, right? Mm -hmm. And that like the way I accepted love was how I gave it, right? Mm -hmm. Which I saw as like reaching out, checking Mm -hmm. in, like, you know, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And people give love in very different ways and they're all important and they're all valid. Just like my mother's love is given in a different way. Mm-hmm. My initial jump was suspicion or they don't see me as good of a friend as I see them. They're not a good as friend as opposed to like, I need to reframe my thinking about what love is, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I need to reshift the concept of love as opposed to blaming the person. You know, I had the same challenges as you, Jamie. Part of what motivated me to be like that with my friends was because I needed security. Like I wanted to feel like they owed me something and that Mm. I owed them something and that this kind of like back and forth was what held us responsible for Mm. one another. Mm -hmm. Or it'll just fall apart. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. The fragility of that and, and the fragility of trust. Like I just wanted like a, Mm -hmm. like a promise I wanted someone to be like, I'm going to be your friend no matter what, no matter what happens, Yeah, you know? And it took me a long time to think about my friendships in that way of, oh, I'm giving to this person because it nourishes me, mm-hmm. not because it nourishes them. It nourishes me to give. To yeah. them. And yep. I do this because anytime I spend time with them, I feel happy. Mm-hmm. They just bring me joy just by spending time with them. And actually the accumulation of joyful experiences is the basis for love, for trust. Mm -hmm. Like all of those things emerge from from that, right? Mm -hmm. And that's why I brought up that thing about you moving around so much. Mm. Because I moved around a lot too. And I needed to make friends fast. Right. Mm-hmm. And I needed to establish trust fast. Mm-hmm. And that's what I needed to do to survive those short durations of time. Yeah. Yeah. And I see all these people who have had friends since they were children. Yeah. Right. Like since first grade. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I went to five elementary schools. I don't mm-hmm. have that. I don't even remember friends from third grade or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're lifelong friends. And so mm-hmm. when you see that and you're like, okay, I don't have that. Mm-hmm. That mean that like I have true friends, you mm-hmm. know, right? Like, and it's this comparing or this again approaching it from a from a view of scarcity as opposed to abundance, and also that again to my point of love manifests in many different ways. Mm-hmm. We have to be open to seeing them in many different ways and attracting them in many different ways, as opposed to one exclusive way that we m- might have grown up with. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And. All of this, our conversation right now is bringing up for me is when I really decided that I could use a law of attraction, that I could buy into this idea that the world was benevolent, that I was Mm -hmm. worthy of abundance. I just felt this huge shift in my life that 
was very material, spiritual, psychic on all levels. And it's because I realized that in doing this, I was choosing a different path, a different reality than the ones that my parents, grandparents could do. And in doing that, I was healing that mindset of scarcity, the trauma of mistrust, suspicion, transaction. Mm -hmm. And that in practicing law of attraction and gleaning the insights that are there in that practice, that I was going to embody something different. Let me create a different future Mm -hmm. for my ancestors. Mm -hmm. It's like I'm on my own healing journey. But, you know, I talk about it with my mom, you know, and I tell her about my life and my my view of the world, the way I move around the world, my beliefs about the world. They're there, right? They're always present with me because it's part of who I am now. And I see my mom pick up on some of these things. Mm. Not to say that I don't want it to seem like, oh, I'm healing my mom or I, I reached some kind of like... When you put that energy out into the universe mm. and you share that, it spreads in, a, it in spreads. a sense, in a, that, in a very simplistic way. Is exactly. It, but it's the yeah. whole thing about what we are talking about in episode two of when we're healing ourselves, we're giving space for other people to heal. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and they evolve with us as mm-hmm. we're evolving. And that's exactly. very clearly happening with your mother. And that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's interesting that you had this experience with your mom or you're having these continual conversations with her because mm-hmm. I, on the other hand, don't really have conversations with my mom about my inner work or inner healing. But during Deepak Chopra's 21 Days of Abundance, one of the tasks included engaging with your mother in a conversation surrounding two specific questions, one of which was, what was the biggest pain or disappointment in your life? And then what dream or great desire remained unfulfilled in your life? Mm -hmm. And ahead of having that conversation with her, I was dreading it. Yeah, those are tough questions. Yeah, I thought, oh gosh, like we don't really talk about our feelings very often. (laughs) This is going to be a very emotional conversation. But we ended up talking for three hours. We both Mm -hmm. cried. We both really opened up in vulnerable ways. And it was the first time that I took away from that conversation how desperately my mother wanted to feel heard and seen by me. Mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. so often when we talk or argue or fight, we're talking past one another. And mm. oftentimes like I will cut her off because I think I know what she's going to say and I anticipate what she's going to say, but then she gets upset and then she says that thing, but then it's not how I actually interpreted it. And it's like a different interpretation and you know, the mm-hmm. language barrier mm-hmm. and the cultural barrier create this blockage where we just cannot mm-hmm communicate well. Oh and my so, gosh. you know, she is her own person. And mm-hmm. for so long, I have been trying to quote unquote, maybe educate her or show her the light <laughs> right? Yeah. of like American culture and American society and like what modern day relationships look like or whatever. Mm-hmm. And rather than just listening to her yeah. and honoring who she was and who she is, 
and seeing her as her own person who who has her own dreams, her own disappointments, her own pain points. And um, I don't know if that conversation is going to drastically change our relationship completely, but it definitely opened the door for it. And yeah. it showed her that I'm thinking about it. And honestly, it was one of the most frank and honest conversations we had because I also took the space to just ask her questions and just let her speak, just let her speak uninterrupted, let her speak and, and use her voice. Mm-hmm. You know, when you say, when you tell me that story, it reminds me of how the very impetus for me to study women's studies and feminist theory and race mm-hmm. was because I wanted to understand my mom because oh. I did not get along with her either. Mm. I wanted to share when I first got into women's studies and feminism, I was like, Oh my gosh, I get it. My mom is oppressed. I must <laughs> tell her. Right, right. <laughs> and then later on, it was just like, Oh, wow. The thing about learning all those histories and theories about power and stuff, especially in relation to my mom, is that this kind of knowledge actually made it seem like her situation was totally inescapable. Mm. And it made me feel like, wow, there is not that many places for women like my mom to feel heard Mm -hmm. because it's not Mm -hmm. like anyone can just change her past or the history of Korea and the cultural norms around gender when she was growing up right like Mm -hmm. what we have is this moment and it was really about letting her and myself connect about Mm -hmm. things that we couldn't change Mm. right and things that we couldn't redo and I think that was a moment when I realized you know social justice is not just about changing things Mm -hmm. but actually making room for those things we cannot change and Mm. allowing ourselves to feel into that and actually properly mourn those things and I also want to add that being able to speak my mother tongue really helped with that. And so just, I can see how not speaking your mother tongue, that poses a really great challenge. Definitely. I mean, when you talk about wanting to be heard and seen, it's wanting to be understood, Mm -hmm. right? And there are so many times where she actually is trying to say how she feels and Mm -hmm. is trying to open up, but the language just isn't there right? Mm-hmm. The, the the translations of how I'm interpreting it and how she is defining it are totally different. And in that space, in those three hours, you know, I it built upon the self-compassion work that I was doing and learning how to be compassionate with my mother, mm-hmm. right? For so mm-hmm. long, I think I had villainized her. And even earlier in this episode, I mentioned that she's not a very sensitive person and that she mm-hmm. doesn't like to talk about her feelings. But, you know, I, I probably need to rescind that because I don't mm-hmm. think that's necessarily true. I, that's my initial assumption because of our relationship from when I was a child. But mm-hmm. in essence, I think she is very emotional and very sensitive, but just doesn't know how to share it with me. And I don't mm-hmm. know how to accept it. And that's going to be the learning journey and process that we're 
moving towards. And what a beautiful journey that is. Yeah. Because what I feel is one of the deepest wounds that women carry, especially like the Asian American woman I've talked to and discussed this with, is that, you know, we have this assumption that as the daughter, your mother, of course, she's on your side, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> as mm-hmm. women, as Asian women in particular, battling patriarchal ideas and structures, etc. And yet, to be in this place where you feel so disconnected from her is so painful. Yeah, for both yeah. of us. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not any fault of one's own, right? Right, <laughs> like, right. It's right. like due to history, due to culture, all these other structures, economy, that kind of present these obstacles from Asian American daughters connecting with their Asian mm-hmm. immigrant mothers. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to explore that even more deeply in a future episode. Perhaps we can talk about relationships with our mothers or even just expanding more upon our cultural identities. And mm-hmm. I know we we definitely touched on a lot of that in this episode, but excited to dive deeper later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we have something special in store for us this episode. (laughs) Typically, we do uh, the weekly affirmations, but Sunny is actually going to engage with us a short meditative practice that I think really encapsulates both part one and part two of our episodes on law of attraction and abundance and synchro destiny in our histories. Mm -hmm. So Sunny, why don't you take it away? Thank you, Jamie. And so wherever you are, if you can just take a moment to pause, even if you're standing, just taking a moment to stand still or sit still, noticing the pressure of your body on the surface of the floor, the ground, the earth. Bring your attention to all sensations flowing in your body. And then focusing your awareness on that heart space. As you breathe into that space, noting your inhales and exhales. And then bring up in your mind family members. And then their parents extending out from your immediate family to your extended family. And focus on your mother now and then your grandmothers imagine the mothers of your grandmothers and that there is a cord of light that connects you to this natural lineage 
extending out from your heart. And as you imagine the mothers of mothers of mothers, see that it creates a web of light that starts to spread from where you are to your neighborhood, to the city that you're in, the state, the continent, to the globe. And feeling into your heartbeat, see that this whole network of your mothers, that they are beating with you. And allow this light to grow bigger and bigger. The light that covers the globe. Feeling connected, taken care of, safe. And in the next breath, see that this entire web of light is pulled back into your heart in an instant. And that you walk with the wisdom and experiences of that lineage. Feeling fulfilled and loved. Taking a deep breath and exhale. And ending with an expression of gratitude for all the mothers of mothers of mothers who have supported your current life and existence. Thank you. Wow, that was so beautiful. Thank you so much, Sunny, for taking us through that. And I kind of want to do that more often at the end of these episodes. Maybe we'll do some alternating affirmations and Mm -hmm. visualizations Mm -hmm. and meditative practices. I definitely felt extremely connected. Me too. Just to everything and everyone. Yeah. I felt chills. Yeah. I feel chills doing it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful way to draw connection to everyone. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for suggesting it. And visualization is so powerful because it is a practice of instant manifestation and instant law of attraction, right? Mm-hmm. You get to embody the feeling mm-hmm. that you want. Well, thank you all for joining us in this thank you. episode and part two of our law of attraction series, so to speak. And we hope that you took away some insight into, into our own power and our own abilities to attract compassion, love, joy, 
but also to honor and acknowledge our histories and our families and our cultural traditions to inform our present. And we also hope you all took away how to use the law of attraction to heal our trauma and our historical trauma and further address social justice issues and cultivate a more caring and connective world. And I want to shout out to all the Asian American women who are tuning in with us. And my hope is that that some of you felt seen and recognized because as Asian American women, being visible comes at a risk, but so does being invisible. Jamie and I, really what we're creating here is a safe space for us to be visible in our most vulnerable ways to be seen. And let us know about how you enjoyed the episode. We would love to hear from you as we delve deeper into matters of our identities and how that intersects with spirituality and social justice. Perfectly said. Thank you, Sunny. <laughs> and thank you everyone for tuning in and we'll we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on Are You There Universe, where we get to reimagine a new world together. We're so grateful to you, and we hope you can join us again next time to dive deeper into the intersections between social justice and spirituality. If you're curious about our other projects and extensions of this work, connect with us. We'd love to have you join our community on Instagram at areyouthere.universe. You can also find me, Sunny, at sunny underscore mystic, and find Jamie on her website, www.jamiewu.com.